Today we are continuing in our series wherein I'm preaching through Romans verse by verse and we are in verse 8, Romans 1 verse 8 and in today's message we're going to be talking about the passion that was in the heart of Paul and the concern that he had towards the church in Rome. We're going to also talk a little bit about why he wanted to go to Rome, what was in his mind in uh, wanting to be in Rome and having some fruit in Rome as well. Now, let us read Romans 1 verse 8. It says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by any means now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you that I may that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. So what he is talking about here is, and this is what I see he is seeing, is he's heard of the faith or the persuasion that there was in Rome, that there were some Christians in Rome, that they heard the gospel in some form or fashion, they heard about Jesus, that he died and that he rose again, they believed upon that, they called Jesus Lord uh, and he heard that and he heard that many people are talking about that all over the world. So what we are seeing is that he is seeing that Rome being the center of their world back then has got a great impact on the rest of people that what's going on there is of such a magnitude that other people can actually or be impacted by it they are hearing that the mighty romans there are people there that believe in the gospel uh, it was um, it would be like uh, saying that the people in parliament are now praying calling upon the name of the Lord, that kind of a thing. It's got an effect, and everybody is knowing about that. So I see that Paul is seeing that everything flows from Rome, Rome. even in the natural world back then. Everything was flowing from Rome. What happens there? Caesar, Caesar was there. Rulership was uh, from Rome. I mean, Rome was the place from where all the messages and judgments and everything would go out to all the colonies of Rome that there was back then. And I think Paul had in mind, if I can get these people to hear the gospel in its true light and have a better understanding of the gospel, then this message will have an effect, a great effect everywhere. I um, And what he's saying here is clear. He's saying, and with that in mind, let's read it again. He says, I thank my God always in Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. So he was very grateful that their faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, now listen for, to the reason here, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift that to the end you may be established. 
and now explains what that is. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, what I'm picking up here is that Paul was hearing that people believed in the gospel, but there was some fine-tuning needed. And he believed that he had the answer to the fine-tuning, that he could do that fine-tuning. And he wanted, when he heard of their faith, I think they must, he must have heard they believe this, they believe that, and so forth. And then he said, oh my goodness, God, I am so glad that these people believe, but could you please, now I want to do it by your will and by your direction, by your grace, not my own power. Could you get me there so that I can have some fruit unto them? I want to have some spiritual gift and what we would call, and he defines it here as basically teaching people to come to the same bottom line conclusion that they can have a mutual faith. In other words, that what he believes and what they believe can encourage one another. And I believe it's another way of saying that we can actually believe the same thing. So Paul was having two things in mind. If I can get to Rome, I can help them. And I find that they are very influential. And what's going on there is really impacting cities all over the known world of that time. We can see that the whole concept of the gospel wasn't just a bless us for and no more, but a concept that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he rules over the earth, he rules over the world. And if he can go and take the gospel, the true message, the fine-tuned message of grace, and put it right under Caesar's nose, put it in the uh, pivotal city where everything revolves around, that message can have a massive effect. And we can see that it is a kingdom mindset that Paul had. It wasn't a mindset of, well, I'm going to die now and go to heaven and try and escape this world. He had a mindset of Jesus, the man who is Lord, bringing forth love, peace, joy, kindness, and all those kind of things, his way of doing into the known world. And he was thinking of how this could practically happen, thinking of taking this message then to Rome. Now, let us read on. Um, We are reading then from verse 11. Let's read from verse 11 again. It says, I long to see you that I may that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me now I would not have you ignorant brethren that oftentimes I purpose to come to you but I was let hereunto that I might have some fruit among you also even as amongst other gentiles so what he's saying here is that He wants fruit amongst them as what he had amongst other Gentiles. So number one, he comes and he writes to them and he says to them, you are Gentiles in the light of the Jewish people. And as I had in Galatia and Ephesus and so forth, I had fruit, meaning I had an effect on those people's lives with what I believe, with how I see it, and I want to bring it to you. By this we can see that Paul, and I mentioned it a little bit earlier now, but I want you to understand this. This is the passion of a person that is apostolic, 
and also the passion of a person that wants to teach accurate doctrine, that sees the absolute value of accurate doctrine. So many times in the church we say, well, we don't need uh, you know, to split hairs about things. But that's not what Paul was saying here. Paul was basically coming and saying, there's fine-tuning needed, and I want to come to you, and I want to have fruit amongst you. I want to collect fruit from you. Meaning, I want to see people, the people in Rome, <coughs> excuse me, the people in Rome uh, having that which God has given me have an effect on them. And I see that Paul would then say, what they already believe might differ a little bit from what he believes. Although they were church people, although they were believers. And we can find that, and I mean, I'm just going to jump way ahead. If you go to Romans 9, Romans 10, and then going into 11, we find that he is correcting the church in Rome, telling them that their understanding of the gospel is wrong, for they believed that God rejected the Jewish people and is now saying that the Jews cannot be saved at all, and it's all about flesh again. We are Gentiles in the flesh, therefore the gospel belongs to us, and the Jews are completely kicked out. And they fell into the very same thing, as what the Jews fell into, but they were, some of them just, if you're a Jew, you cannot be saved. That is what they were falling into. Now, we might say today, what does that have to do with us today? I think it's got a lot to do with us in this sense, that as we understand the context, wherein Paul wrote things, we find other things opening up for us. We see how he corrected people, we see how passionate he was, and we can also be, at a place where we will not fall into the very same things. And there is also many other benefits that I'm not going to get into right now. As I said, and I want to say this again for people that maybe haven't watched for two or three weeks some of my messages, the Sunday message is focused on teaching. And then in the week, Mondays to Thursdays, I give more of an encouragement message in grace, which uh, when, I, when I teach it, I put in front of me a person that might be in the law, that is a Christian, that needs to understand the grace message, which is excellent for evangelism and uh, sending it to your friends and people that need the message. But on Sundays, we're getting deeper into the messages and into the depths of what the scripture means in its context. Okay, so what Paul wanted, he wanted them to have a fine-tuned message and he wanted them not to keep the truth in unrighteousness. Next week, we're going to talk about that. What does it mean to keep the truth in unrighteousness and having the wrath of God come upon you? And Paul was writing this in the New Testament and he was uh, having a passion for the people to understand this. Having the truth and keeping it in unrighteousness. Here we find that the church in Rome, they had truth. They believed that Jesus died and rose again. But the way they applied that truth, the application of that truth... Uh, seemingly was a bit wrong and a bit off here to the point that he had to explain. And the whole uh, ele first 11 chapters of Romans is focused on it is for all people, not just Jews and not just Gentiles, but for all people because these people were falling into the very same thing. And then we will find in next week's message as well how uh, 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 keeping the truth in unrighteousness, having the true message, but not really knowing what it means, not applying it correctly, can have devastating effects 
in our lives. Right, let's go to verse um, uh, uh, 13 again. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let uh, hitherto, meaning he did not go, and he says that I might have some fruit amongst you also, even as amongst other Gentiles. I'm a debtor both to Greek and to barbarian, both unto the wise and the unwise. Now just hear the word that he's using here. He's using the word debtor. I am indebted. I, I owe the barbarian and the wise and the unwise and the Greeks a certain message. So we can see that the Apostle Paul, when he came and when he spoke, he spoke from an authority of what God has given to me belongs to all people. So I want to say to you that what God gave the Apostle Paul, if he was here today, he would feel indebted to give it to you. Not indebted because God commanded him to do it and he has not done it. Not, there's a difference between feeling indebted and feeling guilty. If you feel guilty because you have not obeyed a certain command, that's one thing. But if you feel that what you possess belongs to someone else, it's a completely another thing. When Paul saw Jesus, that he was raised from the dead, and that he is Lord, and that he has conquered all sin, the sin of Jew and the sin of a Gentile, and that he is, uh, by his power, manifesting his kingdom in the world, he believed that this kingdom belongs to all people, that this truth belongs to all people. In other words, that the, the message that you are accepted the message that uh, you don't have to stop your sin by your own power, the message that you are set free by the doing of God of what oppresses you in the flesh, the message that eternal life belongs to you through the rulership of Christ, that, that Paul believed belonged to all people. And that is why he's saying here, I'm a debtor, both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise, so as much as in me I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. So what he's saying is, he says, listen you guys in Rome, I've got a gift that I want to give you. I want to impart some spiritual gift unto you, meaning I don't want to come and give you money or give you any of those things. I'm coming to you and I have got a spiritual gift or grace that I want to impart unto you. So I've been empowered by the resurrection of Jesus, by the grace of God, to come and bring you something. And this thing that I want to bring you, this some spiritual gift, and we find many teachers that has argued about what that gift was, some form of a laying of hands and a special gift of prophecy maybe or something like that. That is not what he's talking about. I don't see that as the context. I see the spiritual gift here simply as the true gospel being preached to them and having the gospel fine-tuned and bringing true understanding to them. That is what it is because he says, I heard of your faith and then I wanted to come to you. Now, Paul, he says, I don't want to build on another man's foundation and other of his writings. Uh, you know, he doesn't want to do that. He actually wants to go to a place where nobody has preached. But when he heard what they believed, he said, well, I need to come to you. And I need to gift you with something that God has given me. 
so that we can be encouraged by believing the very same thing. He's actually saying to them, I want to fine-tune your belief. And he's got such a boldness, uh, and the boldness he has is, what I know belongs to you, and I need to give it to you. It is God gave me a gift of understanding that needs to come to you. And then he goes on in verse 15, and he explains what this gift is, I believe, and he says, so much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that is in Rome. So he says it this way, I've come, God has sent me to you. I believe, or I've got a, something that, that I owe you, and I want to come and give it unto you. And as I want to give this unto you, the spiritual gift, I know you will be established in believing the very same thing as what I believe. And as we believe the very same thing, we will find that this message, as well as you, is established now in Rome from where it has got a great effect all over the known world of that time. And I'm ready to give you this gift. And now he's saying what he will do in giving that gift in verse 15. So as much as in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. Now I want to stand still a little bit there and make it practical for everyday life. What Paul is saying here when he says, I want to gift you with a gospel, is actually to, the no, to, to our world and the church today, the charismatic church, shaking us up a little bit and making us understand that the gospel is a gift. We have made gifts, the gifts of the Spirit, which would be the Spirit bringing forth things like signs and wonders, miracles, prophecies, apostolic office, pastoral offices and all those kind of things or what we would call the manifestation of the finished work of Jesus in our lives and we call that the gifts but Paul I believe in Romans 1 here is talking about the gospel the good news that Jesus is Lord and that he pours out his spirit as a gift and he says that I want to gift you with some spiritual gift or better understanding of the gospel. I want to tell you that an un to understand the gospel is a gift. It is something God has come to give us. What is a gift? A gift is not something that's only for some and not for others. A gift is something God gives. And what God's Spirit wants to give us, and it is a gift unto all, is to understand what the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is all about, and how to keep this truth in righteousness. In other words, we know what God has come to do, and we now walk in it in the correct way, which would be to simply continue to trust God and not rest upon our own power. Now, we're going a little bit deeper into this, um, and we're talking about the effect of the gospel now. Um, and this is what I'm going to end, uh, end off with. This is Romans 1 verse 16 and 17. It says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We can see here that Paul is now coming and he is saying, and he's bringing in the balance that I've mentioned, which would be, which we will still discuss in chapter 11 onwards. 
from 9, 10, 11 onwards, what is going on there, saying that God has not rejected his very own people, but that salvation is both for Jew and Gentile. So what he's saying is, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. So what is he, what is he saying is the gift that he has come to bring them? The gospel. But what is the gospel according to Paul? It is the gospel of Jesus being the Christ. You'll remember in our last Sunday message, um, I mentioned that we were showing the Jesus form in Zambia. And as I was showing the Jesus form, and we saw uh, this movie of Jesus and what Jesus did, how he healed the sick, how he cleansed the leper, how he raised the dead, how he rebuked the Pharisees, brought, uh, straightened out people's theology, shown who the Father is, and he was simply good to all people. As I saw all of that, and we think of the death and the resurrection of this man, and we find that he is now the Christ, what that would mean is that he is now the ruler of the whole world forever. I went up and I I went and I stood up and told all the people uh, after we've shown a part of the, me- of the message, I preached and then afterwards we showed the rest of the movie. But what I said is, you see this good Jesus? He is now what he has done there, doing for all people, free from being under the law, being circumcised, being a Jew, being a Gentile, free from all of, of those class systems just by him loving you he's bringing it to all and he is king and he is lord over the whole world forevermore so what paul is saying here is that i am not ashamed of the gospel of christ the good news that jesus was raised and that the resurrected man is now the ruler over our lives and if i if i look at my own life and I look at how I live my life. I live my life with this one thing in mind. And this is it. The gospel of Christ. What that would mean is the good news that the Messiah has come. Now, in order to understand that, we will have to understand what the Jews understood un, uh, under the Messiah coming. The Jews understood that the Messiah would be a political leader that's going to set the Jews free. But Jesus came and the Apostle Paul revealed to us through the power of the Holy Spirit that didn't work that way. That Jesus didn't come to set the Jews free. He came to set the world free from the power of the evil one or from the power of the Satan, which is sin and death, to come and bring them eternal life by him ending sin in the flesh and him by his spirit bringing forth the life of God in whosoever believes him all by his doing. That we call today effortless living. Effortless living means to share in the very life of God. I can give you an example of that in my own life. As we were thinking, uh, uh, um, you, you guys heard the testimony last week on Zambia and what's happening there and building a mission station there and everything. And in this week I was saying uh, to God, God, I don't know even how to thank you that I could go and preach there and that you provide for it to happen and all those kind of things. I, I didn't even know how to thank him because it was not as if 
It is something I want to do that I needed to get God's permission to do it. It is something that was done by the life of God and is being done by the life of God in me and in others that is partaking in this whole vision and what's taking place there. And I found the best way I could thank God for what is taking place there is, God, thank you that I can share in your life. And that is it. And that to me is what I believe Paul had in his mind when he was saying in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed to preach the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. So what is God's power unto salvation? The fact that the man, Jesus, has conquered sin and death, and that all rulership and dominion has been given unto him, for him to rule over whatsoever is plaguing or bothering his people, bringing and manifesting the kingdom of heaven in the earth in people. So what Paul is saying to the people in Rome in the first few verses that we've discussed here today, he's simply saying to them, listen, I heard of you, your belief in Jesus. But I want to come now and fine-tune this and gift you with the understanding that I have. I want to gift you with the gospel of Jesus as the Christ and what that means. For it is God's power unto salvation, be it be the person Jew or Gentile, already giving background, helping these Roman people and the Gentiles that were hating the Jews. There were many people hating the Jews, uh, you know, and getting them to know the truth not in unrighteousness but in true righteousness, not falling back into what the Jews uh, were actually stuck in. Then we see here in verse uh, uh, 17 it says, For therein in this gospel is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it's written, the just shall live by faith. So what Paul is saying here is, and let us recap, he says, you guys, you believe in the gospel, but you need fine-tuning in this gospel. That's what you need. And God has gifted me with something that belongs to you that I need to give to you. And what this is, is that I can encourage you in this faith so that, we, so that you can be established that establishment, I do believe that it talks, Paul had in his mind, and this is just my opinion, uh, talking about the fruit of the Spirit manifesting inside them, as well as that they will be partakers of the resurrection in the day of the Lord. That you may be established, and that we may both be encouraged by our mutual faith. So what he's saying is, is we believe the same thing, but I want to gift you with an understanding of what the gospel is as what it was revealed to me so that I can also see the same effect that this gospel had in other places in Rome. So he was in the back of his mind knowing that they need something. You know, I felt that way many times when I see people believing in the grace message. I see certain people or certain churches that they come and they start, the grace message is, is starting in a town or those kind of things. And as I hear the grace message going out over the world, then my prayer is, oh God, would you please send me to that town? Will you open a door for me there so that I can go and uh, 
give what you've gifted me with over 20 years of understanding the gospel so that I can help them with what I've been helped with. Not that I say I know everything, but it would also be, uh, 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 I don't know how to say it, it would be fake to not acknowledge what God has given and what God has shown. And this is basically what I believe Paul was saying is, I've gotten certain understanding which I didn't um, get by my own intellect or anything like that. It was a gift of God. And I know that this truth of Jesus being the Christ belongs to all people. And as I see people getting into the message of the gospel, like let's say a penalty substitution atonement, and they start to believe that the Father is not going to punish me anymore because he's punished Jesus, and they get so excited about the gospel. Then I think, well, glory to God, I'm so happy because I've walked the very same path myself in understanding that uh, uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus was punished for me. But as I had deeper understanding and more understanding, I, I can understand much more of what this whole Genesis thing was about, what a restorative justice model is all about and all that. And I would like to go and preach there or have them listen to some of the messages I preach so that this gift can be in them, that I can have some fruit there, seeing that we believe the very same thing. And so we are established not to fall back under the law anymore. And what Paul is saying here then is, he says, I am not ashamed of this good news of Christ. Why? Because I know that it is the power of God that will give people salvation today from the fruit of the flesh and in the end, salvation from physical death. And he says here, for in this good news that the man Jesus was raised and that he is the Lord ruling over people without people's involvement in laws and rules and regulations, that is the manifestation of God's righteousness and it is from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The last five minutes, let me explain this. What he's saying is, is and, 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 and before I get into that, I want to just say, I hope you can see my boldness in saying what I'm saying, just as what the Apostle Paul was full of boldness, not because of arrogance in himself, but because of the boldness where he knows that the gospel saves people. My wife and I, we can testify of the salvation power of the good news that Jesus was bodily raised from the dead and that he is as a full human equal to God, ruling over humans, wherein we, in this world, simply experiences His rulership without our contribution in trying to add anything through laws or works, where we simply believe and understand uh, what the death and the burial and the resurrection and the necessity of a bodily resurrection was all about. It brought a massive massive change in our lives and we are experiencing the fruit of this life in us it's as if life is just around us we feel it and we know it is not by our own doing it is by the fact that he was raised from the dead we also understand that as we have the hope of the bodily resurrection 
our bodily resurrection on, on account of the bodily resurrection of Christ. And our hope is not in our spirits just going to heaven, but us having as full humans a full restoration and a glorification like as unto Jesus himself, we find that it brings forth the fruit of the Spirit in our lives that we have experienced. And uh, if you want to know more about that, you have to listen to just previous messages. Just go back four or five messages and listen to all of them. It will really help you, bless you there. So I'm ending off with this. He says, for therein, that is, in the good news that Jesus is Lord, is the righteous act of God or the goodness of God manifested from the faith that Jesus was raised from the dead unto the faith that we shall also be raised from the dead, which is then called hope, as it's written, the just shall live forever by the persuasion that Jesus is Lord and that he was raised from the dead and that he rules over bodily immortality, over mortality by him being an immortal human, so bringing life to all people. So, that is a mouthful, but I want you to take the time during this week, just take five minutes at a time, Listen to the message, if you have time to do that. Um, listen to the message as you feel an unction in your heart to do it. Over and over, five minutes, think about it. Five minutes, think about it. Ponder about every word. Ponder on every word. And ask the Lord to show you what this is and how Paul has come in, in the first 16 verses of Romans and set up a beautiful thing where he's actually telling people, what I know and what I preach, the message of Jesus being the Christ, the message of Jesus being the ruler over sin and death, that this Jesus is ruler over you today. And as we believe upon this and simply have faith, we will live and have life by the fact that we believe that Jesus died and that we shall also be bodily raised. That is it. Glory to God. Well, I want to thank you so much for slotting in and allowing me to serve you with this message. Next week, we're continuing on this, and we're going to talk about the wrath of God and what that is all about and what Paul had in his mind in Romans chapter 1. I just give you a little bit of a hint. I think Romans chapter 1 is talking about what happened in Adam and Eve and how that was archetypal, talking about what is true in all humans to a certain degree, and he is showing people how we can be free from the uh, um, the wrath of God. And we're just going to put all of that in context. And you're going to see that the wrath of God is not God being angry, trying to beat up on someone. It's something uh, that's actually very good. We will talk about that next week. Thank you so much for slotting in, and i see you next week. God bless. <laughs> 